We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to Transformative Principal. This is episode 293. And in this interview, I'm interviewing Brad Barber, who's the founder of the Tesla Academy. You can find out more about them at theteslaacademy.com. And this was a really great interview. And what I love about it is that Brad is doing something different and supportive in education. So his school is an academy. Kids enroll in an online charter school for their classes. And then he and his teachers work as academic coaches for the students who come to their school. So I think that this model is definitely unique and interesting. So I was really excited to talk to Brad and highlight the different kind of work that they're doing. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I'm splitting it into two different parts. In the first one, we talk about how he got started and then some of the things that they do. And then next week, we're going to talk about some more of the nuts and bolts for kids who come to the school. So this was definitely something where we could have talked for probably another hour trying to you know, get into all the nitty gritty details. But what I want you to take away from it is that what Brad kept referring to as we were talking before and after and during the podcast was we can create something like this for our kids that are already there. And something like this, what I mean is we can do something special and have a micro school for the kids that need something different in our schools. And it's possible you can do it. And, and I hope that that you will. And the other thing that I wanted to say before we get to the interview is it is the start of a new school year. And I hope that you're 
preparations are going great. And if you're like those crazy people in Arizona who've already been in school for over a month, <laughs> then things are going awesome. There are still spots open for my mastermind. And if you are wanting to take your school to the next level, then please reach out at transformativeprincipal.com slash mastermind and you can apply to be part of it there. And it is just amazing what the principals are accomplishing that are in that group. So without further ado, here is my interview with Brad Barber. Welcome to Transformative Principal. I am excited to have Brad Barber on the podcast today. He is the founder of the Tesla Academy, and you can learn more about that school at theteslaacademy.com. Brad, welcome to Transformative Principal, and thank you so much for being here. Now, you're not a educator by training, but you kind of walked into it. Will you tell us a little bit about where you were before and what brought you to starting your own school? Yeah. So I am actually by formal training. If I did go back to, so I was in the business world before in college, I undergrad in economics and uh, started a business with uh, two college friends. And we did what's called business process outsourcing BPO, which is we contract with mainly financial institutions and we would perform back office contracted, underwriting, quality control, compliance for consumer and mortgage loans. And we did it all on a private label basis. So you call, you know, ABC Bank and, or you go on their website and it was actually our website. It was just private label to their, their bank. And then any customer service on the front end, all the way back to quality control in the secondary market, we would do on behalf of the bank. Um, it was like kind of our core competency. And that was really boring and uh, shaving margins to make pennies uh, was, it was fascinating on the business side, but the, the industry and whatnot was, was kind of a grind. Secondarily, I, uh, from Southern California and we have beautiful weather and beautiful beaches and, and that's the reason why I moved back here. I was born and raised here and I found myself not being home very often and not being at the beach very often. And uh, when our company, we sold our company and eventually went public, I had the opportunity to change it up. I could go work, keep working for them, go do another whatever. And one of my coworkers, the guy I traveled with a lot, his dad was actually superintendent of a couple school districts down here in Southern California. So, you know, when you're traveling to another country or other parts of the U.S., you just, you talk. And, and he was just starting his family and I had four children and just talking about raising kids and being home with your family and and he would talk about the summers being home with his dad and fishing and this and that. And, and it just planted these seeds in, in me of if I could get into education, number one, I could provide a better lifestyle for my family and myself. But uh, in my church, I also worked with the youth group, uh, like teenagers, uh, pretty much my whole adult life. And I had seen them just struggle with schooling and uh, social and all that stuff. So I just it just hit me to like, I'm going to go do that. If I'm, if I'm ever going to do it, now's my time to do it. So literally I gave my notice. I was enrolled in a master's program oh, two weeks after, you know, I'm in classrooms with a bunch of 20 year olds and I'm like mid late 30, I was late thirties and four kids and wondering how I'm going to pay for my mortgage and, you know, looking at the teacher salaries and like, okay, well, my benefits will be good, but my pay won't be very good. And how am I going to make this work? And I just took a real big leap of faith. So that's what got me into the education. Then I thought, Getting a job in education would be pretty easy. You know, I had some friends that were in in school and they're like, oh, we'll get you in. 
And then I realized you have to have your credential like fully cleared, especially in California before you get in. But I saw there was a new charter school that was uh, petitioning to be open in a, in a town just north of me. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was funding it. And so I just drove up there and knocked on the door and met the principal. And she's like, what are you doing here? And uh, I said, I want to work for you. And here's my background. And, you know, this is what I want to do. And she's like, well, you have your credential. And she's like, well, maybe you could teach business. And, you know, she's like, maybe we can get you in here with like one or two classes. And then by the time school started, I had a full, you know, they found some loophole to have me teaching in a pre-credential program. Like I think they called it an intern at that time. And uh, I had a full classroom teaching six periods a day. And that was, you know, in a very traditional school model. At the same time as I'm studying to be the, you know, my master's in education best practices and the best practices were no different than when I went to school 30 or 20 years before that. I'm like, wait a minute, like whiteboards are the best practice and PowerPoint. Like, come on, the business world is the, the business I was in didn't even exist when I was in college and let alone like it's transforming so fast on the business world. And yet education, especially in high school is almost the same as when I went to high school. I mean, even some of the same teachers are still teaching. I'm sure the same lessons that when I went there. And, and that, I couldn't reconcile those two things early on in my, my uh, professional academic sojourn, I should say. <laughs> so you want me to keep talking? Well, I, I think that that piece right there, that you started a company that didn't even have the capability to exist when you were going to business school. And then you go back to teaching and it's the same exact thing that you had in school and that we've had for a hundred years. In fact, my district recently, well, it was like 15 years ago now, but they had a, they celebrated a hundred years of education and they, they had pictures of a classroom uh, when it first opened and pictures of a classroom in 2004 when they celebrated it. And you know what? The classrooms were almost identical. The only difference, except the whiteboard instead of chalkboard. Yep, whiteboard instead of chalkboard. A little fancier desks instead of the the old school ones, but kids were still just sitting in rows. The teacher was still up at the front, and pretty much the only difference was that the kids today were allowed to stand up and wave at the camera, whereas the kids in uh, in the old picture they were sitting in their chair turning around, and that was really a sad commentary on how. It just hasn't changed at all. And so that's what I love about you and doing test, the Tesla Academy is that I listened to your interview with uh, Heather Staker on Ready to Blend and it was it was awesome. And I highly suggest everybody goes and checks that out. I'll have that link in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.com. But you are trying to do things differently and you see yourself as a different kind of educator. So what kind of educator are you now compared to how, the kind of educator that most people see themselves as? Okay, as an individual, the main difference how I see myself is I'm not the one to deliver the content. I'm not the primary person to deliver the content to the students. You know, when you, I don't know how old you are, but when I was in school, in order to get the information, like I had to wait for this adult to like give mm-hmm. it to me. And, you know, they had their teacher's book and they had their lesson plans and like, you know, tell me what I need to learn. You ha- I was waiting on them to tell me what I need to learn and then I need to learn it. I remember going vividly this picture in my mind of going to the guidance counselor, like when you're getting ready to look at careers or colleges. And I'm just looking at these three ring binders behind her desk. And I'm like, can I just look at those? And it was like her, like that's her domain. Like she had all the information. She didn't know it, but she just knew it was back there behind her desk Mm -hmm. and she could open it up and like 
okay, well, it looks like you need to do this and this. And I'm like, can, I, can you flip it around? Can I just read it and look at it? And so the promise of the internet was that's open up to all of us. And it's truly the case. And so uh, when I first started my academic journey, like Salman Khan was just starting Khan Academy. And I was like, this is rad. This is so cool that like, I remember like I watched those Khan Academy videos and then I'm teaching in the traditional school. And I'm like, this is the fourth time I've given this lesson today. Like how inefficient is this? Like no business would do this. Like no business would make me give the exact same presentation four times when I know that those five kids have no idea what I'm talking about. Those five kids are bored because they're so advanced. Like it's so inefficient. That's the business term for it. And Salman Khan is just like, here's the, here's the best video. Like if this works. and nowadays with YouTube and all these other things, like if you don't like the way Salman does it, there's 50 other math teachers given the same lesson. So I don't feel like I need to be, I know I can teach it really, really well, but I want my students to learn how to learn. And sometimes it, you have to learn from boring people and, and from a, a, not the most entertaining delivery method. And so that's a, probably the biggest mindset between me and a quote unquote regular teacher educator is, is I, I do love speaking. I love, I love getting in front of the classroom. That's really rewarding. But then that's more about me than the kids. So I have to take myself out of it and go, how do I help them in today's world be the best learner? And it's, they got to learn on their own. And, and what's great about that is then they can do anything. Yeah, that is totally true. I had a teacher at a previous school who really wanted to do different things and be a guide on the side instead of the sage on the stage. At least that's what he would say all the time. The reality was he just wanted to be the sage on the stage. That's what got him going every single day. He loved standing up in front of the classroom, just like talking about whatever and having these discussions that only two kids. You have a captive audience. They can't leave for 50 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And so, so he loved doing that. And it took him a long time to reconcile that the kind of teacher that he thought he wanted to be the, you know, I'll, I'll go and interact with every kid and let them do their own thing. He just couldn't sustain that because he, he fed off of the sage on the stage type of situation. And, and so I finally talked to him and I said, look, this is like, this is what you love doing. So don't like kill yourself trying to be something that you're not. I identify where your kids are struggling and find ways to make it better for them in that situation. That's what needs to happen. So I'm not telling you to like totally change who you are, but you've got to recognize that you're losing a bunch of kids by doing it that way. So what are you going to do to fix that? And so when he finally like embraced what he loved doing, then he would get a group of kids who wanted to just have a discussion with him and he would work with them in a smaller group. And then he would let those other kids go do their own thing and they were perfectly capable of doing it. And they wanted to be challenged in that way. And it just, it turned out to be a much better situation. And one of the things that you mentioned in your interview with Heather Staker was that you guys are academic coaches, much like you are athletic, like there are athletic coaches. So can you talk about the difference between being a coach versus a teacher? Yeah, totally. So what we do is a flex model of blended learning. And you can go to the, the Christensen Institute to look at those images uh, as far as what those different models are. And so the biggest mindset difference, um, you know, and we only do high school. 
So I always say you've got my students coming in here have nine, 10, 11 years of preconceived notions and expectations before they get in here. And we have to sometimes figure out what those are and change them because they look at the adult in the room and they're on like defensive survival mode that they've been surviving school for nine years or 10 years or whatever. And even though we tell them like, cause they always have teachers tell them they're going to do some way. And then they actually, how they execute is something different. So they, these, they're smart when they're high school. Like they know like, okay, sure. You're telling me what I'm supposed to hear. I know that's what you're supposed to tell me, but you're going to do something different. You're just going to do something the same every time. And so you know, you have to really convince them and then follow through that, that this is going to be different. So the teachers we have in our classroom, we call them learning coaches. And, and I distinguish the difference because what I have heard in some schools that are trying to do the flex model or any type of learning is those teachers in the classroom just become babysitters. And that's not what this is about. And because a lot of the early models of this blended learning, especially in the flex model, were credit recovery. So like these are the kids that just don't give a crap and let's just park them in the classroom for the summertime, get them some cheap online school program because it costs the school a lot of money. And then we'll pack this teacher who doesn't want to be here in the summer and they're in there and they're just babysitting them and like look at their clock until it's time to dismiss, right? And that's a lot of their experience with this model. And so I have to tell them like, this is radically different. So our learning coaches, and I relate it to the sports coach and you got recreational teams and you got like club level teams. And most of the kids have played some, some sort of organized sport and they've had some coach. And I, the first question I always ask the student is, what does your coach do regardless, whether it's football, baseball, soccer, but like whatever it is, what is your coach doing most of the time? You have an hour practice. What are they doing? And then many times they'll say, he's just yelling at us. And then I restate, I'm like, so for a whole hour, your coach just yelling at you. And then they think about it and they're like, actually, no, he's just standing there most of the time. And they're watching us. I'm like, is, if he's a good coach, is he, is he staring at his phone the whole time or his computer? Or is he actually watching the plays and watching what's happening? Like, no, he's, he's watching what we're doing. And then I say, and then he goes and tells you what you need to fix and correct. Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's what we do. So we're not, we're observing you the entire time. We may not engage and con- and talk with you, but we're watching you. And, and that can be in the form of physically watching what's on your screen, what you're doing to take notes. It could be on our dashboard, our learning coach dashboard to see what are you scoring on your assessments in real time? What are you supposed to be doing today? What did you do today? So there's a big observation component. And then the second point is how does a, you know, if, if you're a, six-year-old playing soccer and you if you've ever watched soccer for young kids and they kick the ball with their toe and it goes in the air really high everybody cheers Woo, that's a good job johnny right and then if this is a club level soccer player they kicked it with their toe and just kicked it way high in the air that coach would be yelling at him like what are you doing that's a horrible kick even if they made a goal they'd be like wow that was lucky right because the technique wasn't proper and and kids understand that like you coach a beginner soccer player differently than you coach someone who wants to go play college soccer, the way you interact with them, you know, you're a little more firm with them, but that player, that sports player needs to understand that different relationship. And in this model, I tell the kids like, what kind of coaching do you want for academics? Do you want me to just go, good job. You wrote your name on your paper. Oh, good job. You, you did what you're supposed to do. Like, do you want me to treat you like that? Or do you want me to treat you like you want to get somewhere and you really want to learn? And I make them tell me. And because we're a private situation, I, I, if they just want the good job for writing the name on the paper, there's easier methods to get that done. And maybe they want to go to a, a more recreational academic model. Um, so we try to recruit the, 
the higher end and they don't, and when I say higher end, I don't mean like they're geniuses. That just means they want to put in the effort and they want to learn and they want to get better. Well, yeah. And you know, that idea of, you know, just the yay, her hip, happy, everything's great approach The a lot of schools are doing what's called PBIS, which is positive behavior interventions and supports. And sadly it devolves into that kind of a thing where you're, you know, giving praise to kids for doing things that they should be doing anyway. And, and I know that a and lot I of, wanna, I don't, I don't want to discount. You do need to be positive to kids because right. this stuff's fun. And so you definitely have to say, that's awesome, but it has to be sincere right. and it has to be individualized because again, by the time they get to high school, they can see through the crap and they, and they'll bluff it with you. They'll be like, <laughs> they'll laugh at your face at like, yeah, they sort of did a good job on my paper. Like I wrote my name on it. Like Mm -hmm. they can see through that stuff pretty well. So you have to have a relationship with a student and know them and know that like, Hey, I don't have any of these kids, but like writing their name on their paper is like a really good thing and then praise them for it. But maybe it's just actually taking notes, you know, cause we do pre-interviews before they come here and maybe they've said like, I've never taken notes. So to that kid, I'm like, dude, your notes are awesome. Like, look at you, you're taking notes. You told me, you told me you've never done this before. That's awesome. And then the other kid is like, yeah, I take notes. It's important. And then they get slacky on it. Then I'm like, hey, remember? And so you have to really know those students well. And I think in any blended model, the thing that's different than a traditional brick and like traditional brick and mortar, you just get whatever they come in your classroom and you start lecturing and, and you're kind of trying to figure out these kids and you figure out, you know, 15, 20% of them, you figure out pretty well, 50, 20%, you have no idea what they're thinking or it's just impossible. In, in a blended model, particularly flex model, I think you have to know those kids well, and you need to spend more time in the beginning figuring them out. And then, then you can know how to individually tailor that coaching to them. Mm-hmm. Well, and the point that I was getting to was that exactly what you just said, that if you don't give kids what they need when they need it, then they're not going to, that feedback isn't going to mean anything to them. And so if it's, like I was saying, if it devolves into just like, hooray, hippie, yippie, you wrote your name on the paper, then like you said, kids can see through that. And, and what I find amazing is that people pay to send their kids to these coaches who do like everything coming out of their mouth during practice is yelling at a kid and the kids (laughs) love those coaches and are grateful for them. And you know, if, if we did that in a typical school, you know, that would never fly because we don't, we don't yell at our kids like that. However, out on the field, the kids like thrive on it. And the biggest punk kids who are like the most difficult kids in the regular school day are like these stellar athletes who are thriving in that environment. And, and I just think that by us seeing us as the only source of information and kids have to come and learn everything from us and not looking at it how you do where you are the coach for them it just puts them at such a disadvantage to be able to do to be successful in school as a whole and so being able to look at it differently i think is is so important all right great first part of the interview i hope you enjoyed it we're going to continue that interview next week with the second half of brad barber's interview Thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. I really appreciate your time.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.